everyone, it's Leslie Keith here again with another Research Update Flash Briefing. I'm the Director of Research and President of the Board for the Lipedema Project. I'd like to keep you abreast of the latest research of relevance to lipedema with these flash briefings. Today, in honor of January, the time where we most often make a New Year's resolution, I'd like to share with you a very large-scale study about New Year's resolutions. And I think if this is something that you like to do, maybe you're making New Year's resolutions about your health and the care and management of your lipedema, that you might be interested in the results of this very large study. The title of the paper is A Large-Scale Experiment on New Year's Resolutions. Approach-Oriented Goals are more successful than avoidance-oriented goals. And this was done by a group of researchers in Sweden. The paper was published in the peer-reviewed journal PLUS One in December 2020. So what was the aim of this study? The researchers wanted to find out what kinds of resolutions people make, how confident they are that they'll stick to their goals, how successful they actually are. And they also wondered whether phrasing their goals as approach-oriented or as avoidance-oriented made a difference in their success. They also wanted to know if having support in the form of information and exercises and goal-setting would increase their success. So first, a couple of definitions. I think you might be able to tell a little bit from their titles, but I wasn't really familiar with approach-oriented and avoidance-oriented goals. So I just wanted to define those terms for you. So approach-oriented goals. These are goals for which you expect to receive positive feedback from others when you complete them. So some examples are, I will increase my maximum bench press weight to 280 pounds. I will be more talkative in social situations. You can see how these goals are really phrased in a positive way, something good that you want to accomplish. So contrast this with avoidance-oriented goals. So these are goals that help you avoid looking foolish or avoid failure. That's kind of the focus of the avoidance-oriented goals. So some examples of these are, I will not eat snacks before going to bed. I want to stop being so shy at parties. So these are really phrased in a negative fashion. So the researchers wanted to see, did it matter how you phrased your goals? What were the methods? The participants from the general public were, they were randomized into three groups. And those groups were no support, some support, and extended support. And this study lasted for one year. It was all done online. So let's look at what was in each of those groups. So group one, no support. So this group was given brief general information on New Year's resolutions and they were asked to list their resolutions and estimate their chance of success. And then they completed three self-report surveys. Then they had three follow-ups over the year and they would also repeat those surveys and also say how they were doing on their resolutions. So group two, some support. They were given that same information as group one, but they also got some additional information about the importance of support. So they were asked to name a specific person 
who would be responsible for supporting them throughout the year. They then listed their resolutions and they estimated their chance of success. They completed those self-report surveys, but this group had 12 follow-ups over the year, so once a month. They also were sent one email with information and exercises on how to cope with possible challenges and barriers to reaching their goals. Group three, this is the extended support group. They were given the same information as group two, along with information about setting what's called SMART goals. So these are goals that are very specific. They're time constrained. They're supposed to be very realistic so that they were given training and information about setting these types of goals. And they were also given information about phrasing their goals in an approach-oriented goal rather than an avoidance-oriented goal. And as with group two, group three was asked to name a support person. And then they listed their resolutions and estimated their chance of success. They completed those three self-report surveys and had 12 follow-ups over the year. In addition to the email regarding dealing with challenges, they also received three other emails. And these all had to do with motivation, thought patterns, negative spirals in relations to New Year's resolutions. So they were given additional information. They were also encouraged to make interim goals. So making small steps on the way to their ultimate goal for the end of the year. From what I can tell, when I read this paper and I went through it several times, I could not see anywhere that the extended support that this group three got involved in any way in contact with a professional. So it didn't seem to be in-person support. It seemed to be all online emails, information, stuff like that. And really, I was just trying to see, you know, groups two and group three have these 12 follow-ups throughout the year. What did that involve? I wasn't really sure what that involved. It seemed to be just emails and online stuff. It did not seem to be even virtual face-to-face support. So this was a very large scale. So they had 1,066 participants. Remember, they were part of the general public in Sweden, and they recruited them through social media outlets like Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and also major news outlets, and something called university television. So seemed to be some kind of TV that was in universities. And the only requirement to participate was they had to be at least 18 years old and fluent in Swedish. So the participants in the study, it really was overwhelmingly a certain type of person that was in this study. Overwhelmingly female, married or with a partner, children, employed, and had a higher level of education. So 81% were female. 73% married or had a partner, 73% had children, 75% were employed, and as far as higher level of education, only 14% stopped at high school. 79% went beyond high school, and this could be anything from a few university classes all the way up to a doctorate. The most common was a master's degree. And since they were recruiting with the university television, this is not surprising that they would have a higher level of education. But once all these the 1,066 people were randomized by a computer into the three groups, 
the demographics were very similar and each group had that same kind of, you know, mostly female children, etc. So the groups were very even, but very skewed to that particular demographic. So let's look at what they did for the measurements and the assessments and stuff like that. So at each follow-up, total of three follow-ups for group one and 12 for groups two and three, participants were asked to, to rate how successful they were in sticking to their resolutions. And they rate this on a scale of zero to 10 or zero to hundred percent. And then they were also asked to report their conviction or their belief and their chances of actually achieving success on a scale of zero to 10, zero being zero conviction, 10 being complete conviction. And the three self-report surveys, very interesting. They had one, a Swedish quality of life survey. They had a procrastination survey called the pure procrastination scale. And there was a Swedish version. And then for self-efficacy, they had a general self-efficacy scale and the Swedish version of that. So what were the results? Well, let's start with what were the most common categories of New Year's resolutions? The most popular were concerned with physical health. So 75% of the participants were concerned with Improving physical health, 33%, losing weight, 20%, and eating, 13%, and self-improvement, 9%. All the other remaining goals were stated by 5% of less or less of participants. That was mental health, smoking, finances, drinking, et cetera, et cetera. But it seemed like physical health and losing weight, that was 53%. And interesting, eating, 13%. So... That seemed to be the biggest concern of this group in Sweden. What were the success rates? So a majority of participants rated their success in meeting their goals at 70%. And how this 70% was characterized was, I am by and large sticking to my New Year's resolution. So a majority had felt that they were meeting their goals. And although there was Interestingly, a diminished sense of success over time. So, you know, when they first had their first check-in in February, pretty high. But by the time they got to December, fewer and fewer, still a majority, but fewer and fewer felt like they were successful. And then 81% of the participants were successfully adhering to their New Year's resolution at the end of February, but this reduced down to 55% by the end of December. So what was the effect of the level of support on the level of success? This is part that I felt was very interesting results, not what you would expect. So group two, who had some support, had significantly higher rate of success over group one, which was no support. That was their basically their control group, no support. But Group two was also more successful compared to group three, which had what they called extended support. So, and interesting, now this is even more interesting, group three, that extended support group, did not even have as much success as group one who had no support. So that was really interesting. And I think you'll find interesting what what the authors say the reasons for that was. And then... 
looking at the approach versus the avoidance oriented goals, I think as you would expect, the majority of participants actually made resolutions, whether they were told to or not, they made their resolutions in an approach oriented or a positive type way. So fewer naturally or as encouraged, they use the avoidance. So most wanted to use the approach or the positive fashion. And those that use the approach oriented goals were actually more successful. They tended to be successful. So that tells you what you should do for yourself is write your goal in a positive fashion. And then what about those self-report surveys? So all the participants were able to improve in the areas of procrastination, quality of life, and self-efficacy just by being part of this study. All participants, regardless of whether they were successful in sticking to their resolutions or which group they were in, reported less procrastination by the end of the study. And data from the self-efficacy and quality of life self-report surveys showed that all participants had improvements in these two outcomes, although participants who were successful, who actually stuck with their resolutions, had greater self-efficacy and greater improvement in quality of life. And I, I think you would have kind of expected that. But I thought that was interesting that everybody was procrastinating less just by being part of the study. So what are the conclusions? The participants receiving some support reported greater success than those receiving extended support, as well as those receiving no support. And the use of approach-oriented instead of avoidance-oriented can increase the chance of successfully sticking to a New Year's resolution. And so here's why they felt like that group two, some support did better than group three, extended support. The group three was offered to make these, they're instructed how to make very specific goals and time-oriented goals. They were also told to make interim goals, so progress goals. And so the authors felt that if you have a vague goal of just improving your physical health, you can vaguely feel that, yeah, I'm doing okay on that. But if you have a very specific goal that you are going to exercise for 30 minutes, three times a week, well, then it's very obvious whether or not you're actually doing that. And so they felt that that specificity may have meant that more people in group three did not reach their goals. And then participants in group three, because they made those interim goals, well, that gave them another time point that they could possibly fail because they didn't meet those specific goals by specific times, that progress time over the year. So I thought that was interesting. I have some other ideas about why group three didn't do as well as you would expect. Let's talk a little bit about the limitations of the study. So the researchers listed a couple of limitations, one that Success in achieving or adhering to a New Year's resolution was not objectively confirmed, meaning that it, it, the, just the participants rated themselves on how well they were doing. So the researchers suggest that in future studies, you should consider having maybe a family member rate the participant's success. That would be interesting. And then while there are differences between the support given to participants in group two and three, there was some overlap. So, you know, they kind of had some similarities, but some differences. So it, it made it more difficult to tease out why group two was so much more successful in group three. I'm going to suggest some other limitations. And one is that the characteristics of this sample was 
a very specific group in that Swedish public, overwhelmingly female, educated, married, et cetera, et cetera. And so that may have influenced the success rate because maybe that particular demographic tends to be more to stick to their New Year's resolution. So we don't know that could have influenced it. And I also felt it was another limitation that they did not describe what actually happened in those follow-up visits and if they were face-to-face, if they were, you know, virtual, or was it just getting emails and, you know, online information and stuff like that. So that is, I think, leads into how I think having a different kind of support for that extended support group would have made a difference. And I think if that group three actually had face-to-face support, either in groups or individual, and it could have been even virtual, I think that might have made a big difference and much more support and much more chance of success. So that would be an interesting study to compare this simple information type stuff, online information versus having that contact with another person and or group. I thought that was a very interesting study and maybe it'll help you when you're making your goals for the coming year. And I would like to still alert you too that we do have a blog at Lipedema Simplified. So everything that I report on these flash briefings, it gets transformed into a blog post. So this can be found in writing. So check out our blog at lipedema-simplified.org slash blog and get insights in all kinds of stuff, even other information besides what I report on these flash briefings. There's a lot you can find out about lipedema and get inspired and get new information, personal stories, all kinds of stuff. So check out our blogs. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipedema-simplified.org slash flash, where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. You can now also follow Living Well with Lipedema on Amazon Music and get new episodes that become available. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another research update flash briefing. Music